got a bit of an embarrassing confession to make on today's episode. And I'm really not very comfortable sharing this at all. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll check out where you found this. Kale McCarr. I can't even say it. I'm going to try it again. Kale McCarr used to remind me of the rookie version of John Marino. Okay, so there, I, I spat it out. Occasionally, even now, when I watch McCarr, including when he brilliantly puts up five points in the game that pushes the Avalanche into the Stanley Cup final, I still see some of the rookie version of Marino. And I understand that that sounds completely preposterous on its face. So I hope that you'll hear me out here before deciding that you'll never listen to this particular hockey podcast ever again. Because when Marino showed up at that training camp, right after being acquired, having his rights acquired from the Oilers for a sixth-round pick, one of the best moves Jim Rutherford made that absolutely nobody ever discusses, and he showed up at camp as just another number, just another guy, 0.000% chance of making the team. But then, as forwards started crossing the blue line into his part of the rink, he would engulf them like a black hole. He would swallow them up, give them absolutely nowhere to go. Do all of this legally, by the way. When the puck scoot just around the guy and make either a sharp headband pass or go ahead and carry the puck up himself and join the rush. There was no way for anyone to miss what this young man was doing out there. And sure enough, it took only two or three days for everyone to pick up on it, including those without the most trained eyes. And Mike Sullivan and everyone else made really clear that this player was in contention to make the NHL roster, which, again, was just crazy. And, of course, he did. He left them no choice. He was one of their very best defensemen. And as his rookie season went along, it could have been argued at different points that he was the Penguins' very best defenseman. He did all of these things that I just described throughout the season as if training camp never ended. Additionally, he showed plenty of potential for what he could contribute offensively. Really good finishing touch. You might even remember a breakaway that he scored uh, in Boston coming out of the box. Good, hard, low shot from the blue line. Going upstairs if he felt that there was a chance to pick a spot. Just just a 
potentially really, really good. I don't like to use the word great. Really, really, really good defenseman in the National Hockey League. And when Rutherford signed him to a long-term contract, it looked and felt like one of those Jake Gensel-type steals. And then, and then, something happened. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. I don't know what happened to John Marino. I don't know exactly when it might have happened. And I also don't want to make this sound you know, irreversible and, and get excessively dramatic here. He's still a young player. He's super smart, and he still has all the same skills that he did back in his rookie year. However, I don't think that it could be argued that there's been, if not necessarily a regression, then a stagnation. And it's probably more tilted toward regression because he's not that player. We see it every once in a while. He had, for example, a performance in Game 1 of the playoff series with the Rangers that was very, very much in tune with the rookie Marino. Uh, In some ways, more advanced, because obviously he's learned a lot more. But then... Something else happens, or he thinks he can do more than he can, and, well, Game 7 happened, and I'm not here to pile on him for Game 7. We all saw it, and we all saw the role that he played in it. But I can't help but get reminded of him in watching Colorado and watching McCarr. Not that Marino can be that. McCarr is a truly generational talent. He should be the Norris Trophy winner for the next decade or so. That's how obscenely gifted he is at both ends of the rink. But Marino can be a lot more. And the fact is, we're all still talking right now about the urgency to sign Chris Letang because there is no other number one defenseman in the fold, Mike Matheson's probably not going to be that guy, although he certainly steadied himself over the course of the past season. Marino can't be that guy if he's not, you know, all those things that Latang is. Top power play unit, top penalty kill, all that stuff. And he's not. And he's not. I didn't even mention, you know, the ice time and, and everything else. So to try to answer my own question there, what happened? What I've heard from inside the organization, and I find this to be wholly plausible, John can basically be too smart for his own good. And take this from somebody who knows the kid pretty well and knows his family. There's there's something about him and his Harvard background and everything else where he feels like he's got all the answers. And that has frustrated his coaches. At times, I'm not guessing at this. And it just might be the case that in particular, after Game 7, 
that he'll be a little bit more open to the instruction that he's been receiving for a while now and maybe hasn't allowed to sink in wherever it needs to sink in, you know? This is still a very, very good hockey player with a higher ceiling than what's been demonstrated over the past couple of years. It would be quite the boon to this franchise if he just became the best version of John Marino. Never mind any comparisons. When we come back, J1Q. Josh, you asked ADK, any anticipation on when we might be hearing anything about Evgeny Malkin or Chris Letang signing? Letang is an absolute lock, in my opinion, and I'm thinking Gino is pretty likely as well. But we have the draft coming in just three weeks. I happen to agree. Josh, with everything that you said, I, I, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't see Latang as a lock. Uh, whenever you're talking about Latang being the one who most clearly is looking for a raise on top of his existing salary, that can bring complications for a team that's got no cap space, no matter what it is that Ron Hextall and Brian Burke hope to achieve before they get to free agency. And if they do get to free agency, meaning Malkin and Latang uh, hit the open market, which of course happens shortly after the draft that you cited. Uh-huh, we're in a totally different setting now, you know, because all it takes is one out of 32 teams to just go loco and say, man, we absolutely need this player and we are going to bid what we have to. And by the way, we've got all the cap space in the world. There are a lot of teams like that. So as I see it, the Penguins have an artificial deadline for themselves for taking care of Malkin, Latang, and by the way, Ricard Raquel, who really, really needs to be kept before anybody is able to go out and shop themselves. Now, that said, and I'm going to presume this is why you're asking the question, it's been very quiet, and I can tell you that our Hockey writers here at DK Pittsburgh Sports have been in touch with people, but there's not even a trace of anything going on right now, at least not that's being leaked out in any form. And remember that Hextall and Latang both acknowledged after the season that they've sworn themselves to secrecy and not negotiating in public in any form but you know you're always still trying anyway right that's that's kind of what our jobs are so i wouldn't necessarily take the relative silence as any sort of indication because when sides do commit to keeping things between themselves they can be pretty good about it but yeah i i'm i'm with you there there is Definitely some urgency, and I think that maybe at the risk of of extrapolating too much here, the fact that Brian Rust, who was supposed to be, I think we'd all agree on this, the hardest of the group to keep, the fact that Rust was done like this, like 
like Rusty hadn't even got done cleaning out his locker, right? All of a sudden, he's got a new contract before the weekend hit. Uh, that's not something that I saw coming, to reiterate my feeling at the time. And for Malkin and Latang to be taking this much longer when everybody had already said that talks are ongoing, eh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. <laughs>